Bibles and turn to Luke chapter 5. That's pretty hot, isn't it? Pretty loud. Luke chapter 5. <clears throat> Is that better? Not too loud? I think it's fine. Yeah. Luke chapter 5, and I'm going to direct your attention down to verse 12 this morning. You follow along as I read a few verses here, Luke chapter 5 and beginning in verse 12. And it came to pass, when he was in a certain city, behold, a man full of leprosy, who seeing Jesus, fell on his face and besought him, saying, Lord, if thou wilt, thou canst make me clean. And he put forth his hand and touched him, saying, I will be thou clean. And immediately the leprosy departed from him. And he charged him to tell no man, but go and show thyself to the priest, and offer for thy cleansing according as Moses commanded for a testimony unto them. But so much the more went there a fame abroad of him, and great multitudes came together to hear and to be healed by him of their infirmities." Before we get into this passage this morning, I want to first direct your attention to the fact that when we come to church, it's not a program, it's not entertainment, and we have special music and we have other things that are geared toward aiding in worship unto the Lord, but it's not about programs and it's not about entertainment, we're here to hear from the Word of God. And the Word of God is really our only source of truth. It's not church traditions. It's not what we desire or even what we think. It's the Word of God that is the source of truth in this life. And the Bible says in John 17, 17, Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy Word is truth. And so if there's something that is contrary to the Word of God, it's wrong. It's not true. Because only God's Word is true. And it doesn't matter what I think. It doesn't matter what you think. What power do we have to make anything true? God gave us His Word. He said it's true. God is true. Every man is a liar, the Bible says. And so the, the Bible also says in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, In verse 13, Paul said, I thank God without ceasing, because when ye received the word of God, which ye heard of us, ye received it not as the word of men, like like Paul came up with that, but as it is in truth, the word of God, which effectually worketh also in you that believe. So not only is God's word true, but it's powerful. It's effectual in your life. It works powerfully in your life when you believe it. And so what I'm saying is, when we're here, we're here for the purpose of hearing from God and hearing from His Word. That would be the reason you should be in church today. And so as we open up the Word of God, as we consider this text, God has some truth for us this morning that can apply in your life. They are the words, the very words of Almighty God, the living God, the all-powerful God who has something for your soul. And so let's 
Let the Word of God be our guide this morning. Let's approach this subject and this truth, this Scripture with reverence. Let's ask the Lord to use it in our life as we explore what it is that God has for us and let it effectually work in you that believe. This morning, the title of the message is Meeting the Savior. And I want us to look at this story that we've read, that we find recorded in the Gospel of Luke in chapter 5. It's also recorded in Mark chapter 1 and Matthew chapter 8 as well. But as we've read, we find here the story of a man who the Bible says was full of leprosy. A man who in that culture would have been an outcast. A man in that culture who would have been condemned by everybody else. But the Bible tells us that one day, Jesus came by to meet him. And when Jesus came into his life, his life was changed forever. And so I want us to look at this passage, and I want to read it again, actually. And I want to point out some very interesting things about this meeting between Jesus and this leper. And I want us to consider some very striking similarities between what this man's need was and the need that every man, woman, boy, girl who has ever lived or ever will live has as well. And so let's begin... I'm going to read it again, we're going to pray, and then we're going to ask the Lord to bless the preaching of His Word. The Bible says, And it came to pass, when he was in a certain city, behold, a man full of leprosy, who seeing Jesus, fell on his face and besought him, saying, Lord, if thou wilt, thou canst make me clean. And he put forth his hand and touched him, saying, I will be thou clean. And immediately the leprosy departed from him, And he charged him to tell no man, but go and show thyself to the priest and offer for thy cleansing according as Moses commanded for a testimony unto them. But so much the more went there a fame abroad of him, and great multitudes came together to hear and to be healed by him of their infirmities. And again, this man had some serious needs, and I want to make some similarities between what this man's need was and the need of every man, woman, boy, or girl. Let's pray and ask the Lord to bless His Word. Heavenly Father, I pray that You'd use Your Word in our life. Lord, it is effectual to work. It's powerful. But so much of the time, it's people who either hinder or allow the power of God's Word to work. People can hold the truth in unrighteousness, or suppress it, and not let it effectually work in their life. And so, Lord, I pray that every heart today would be tender and humble before you, and the prayer of the heart would be, Lord, teach me from your word today. Teach me something. Draw me close to you, and may your will be accomplished. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. First thing that I want you to note in this passage is a man who is in an awful condition. Verse 12 tells us, It came to pass when Jesus was in a certain city that this man, who was full of leprosy, who seeing Jesus fell on his face and besought him, saying, Lord, if thou wilt, thou canst make me clean. We find, first of all, this man was in an awful condition. The Bible says that he had this terrible, terrible disease. He was in a miserable condition because he was full of leprosy. Now, 
This is Luke that we're reading. And again, it's recorded in Mark chapter 1 and Matthew chapter 8. But something about Luke was that Luke was a physician, and Luke always used this very particular language as he writes. And you notice that with the accuracy of a physician, he uses a very precise term saying that the man was full of leprosy, indicating that this leprosy had fully advanced in its uh, development in all of its stages. Probably this man would have been in the last stages of leprosy. His case would have been very severe, and he'd probably been a leper for a very long time, maybe even close to the end of his life. Now, I'm sure that most of you have an idea of what leprosy is. Leprosy is an infectious disease that mostly affects the skin. It causes it to rot. I'm sure that you probably have even at times seen a picture or two of people who have been ravaged by this disease. Many times, especially in that day, uh, uh, leprosy would have caused some dismemberment of a person's body. Uh, it would have caused, because of the rottenness, it probably would have caused some pretty grotesque-looking sores on a person's body all over their skin. That kind of disease that this man had was a, was a death sentence, essentially. And it's not hard to imagine that this man might have looked pretty gross. He might have been an individual that, uh, you know, that he certainly was an outcast. He certainly was not allowed in society because his disease was incurable. And because of that, he would have been completely alone. He would have been isolated, maybe with the only friends he had or people he had were, were other lepers themselves. They might have had a little bit of a group, but they certainly could not be a part of society. One commentator said this. He said, leprosy was nothing short of a living death, a corruption of all the humors, a poisoning of the very springs of life, a dissolution little by little of the whole body so that one limb after another actually decayed and maybe even fell away. Back in Bible times, lepers were regarded as dead already because there was no hope. There was no cure. They were called unclean. They were castaways. And there was very particular rules regarding society for somebody who was a leper. The leper was to dress like a mourner going to a burial service, but it was his own burial service. He had to constantly cry out wherever he went. He had to say, unclean, unclean. This man, you can imagine, was not in a condition where he was just full of life and full of hope. In fact, he knew that he was going to die. That's the condition he was in. And as we meditate on this scene, and as we think about the picture that's been painted here, we begin to see a striking resemblance between this incurable disease that this man had and the, 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 the incurable sin nature that you and I have. Every person that's ever come into this world has a sin nature that cannot be cured. 
Sin, just like leprosy, is loathsome, it's disgusting, it's infectious, it's polluted the heart of every person. And just like this man was full of leprosy, likewise, we as mortals are full of sin. And that's what the Bible teaches. That's what the Bible says. You know, it's hard for people to admit their condition, what they actually look like. Say, oh, well, I know that I'm full of sin. I mean, we're all sinners. But we don't actually understand what that really looks like in the eyes of God. We want to minimize it. We want to dress ourselves up. We want to feel good about ourselves. And we don't see that we're wretched and blind and naked in the eyes of God. That we're full of grotesque sores, if you will. Not anything pretty. Not anything good to look at. The Bible says in Romans 5.12, Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin, so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. Ecclesiastes 7.20 says, There is not a just man upon earth that doeth good and sinneth not. Proverbs 20 and verse 9 says, Who can say, I've made my heart clean, I am pure from my sin. Romans chapter 3 and verse 10, As it is written, There is none righteous, no, not one. There is none that understandeth, there is none that seeketh after God. They are all gone out of the way, they are together become unprofitable. There is none that doeth good, no, not one. But when mankind looks at himself in this world, we like to think that we're somehow good people, or we like to think that we look good, and we might put on the appearance of good clothes, and we go to church, and we have all the things. I think I'm a pretty good person, and we don't see the actual wretched condition of our sinful heart. I have a relationship with God. I know Jesus. I'm a Christian. And all of these words and all of these things to try to dress up the outside. But inside, there's something incurable. Inside, there's something grotesque. Inside, there's something that's killing us. We're dead already. And it's our sinful nature. The Bible has made it very clear that we are unclean in the sight of God because we are full of sin and the Bible declares that just like this leper was regarded as dead already because of his incurable disease, so are we regarded as dead already because of our sin and our sin nature. I want you to listen to this passage, Ephesians chapter 2. In fact, go there with me, and I want you to follow along as I read it. Ephesians chapter 2. In verse 1, you hath he quickened. The word, the quirk, the word quickened means to make, he's made alive, to make alive. And you hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins. All right? So, the picture. Here's you. You, sitting in the pew. You, at some point, were dead. And Jesus Christ, God, made you alive. That's what he's saying, okay? And then he goes and he says, here's what your life was. Look at verse 2. Wherein in time past ye walked according to the course of this world, 
according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience, among whom also we all had our conversation in times past. The word conversation, if you don't know what that means, it means lifestyle. It means the way that you live. It's not talking about a a, a vocal, verbal conversation you'd have with somebody. It means the way that you live. And he said, uh, we all had our lifestyle in this past time. And what does he say in in verse 3? Among whom also we all had our conversation in times past, in the lusts of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind. And were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. But God, who is rich in mercy for his great love wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ. By grace ye are saved. He says, Your life, your nature was full of sin, and it caused you to not have any spiritual life. You're dead. And it takes the Lord Jesus Christ and God in His rich and mercy and grace to give a person life. Colossians 2.13 says, And you being dead in your sins and the uncircumcision of your flesh, hath He quickened it together with Him. What I'm saying is the Bible has declared that our sinful state that we naturally live in, we are already considered as dead without any hope. We're in an awful condition ourselves, just like this man in the story. See, but that's a problem for a lot of people to admit what they really are. I'm a Christian. I have a relationship with God. But the problem is we haven't seen our wretched condition before God, which means that we haven't looked at ourselves as condemned already. And by the way, nobody's always been a Christian. Just because your parents were, quote, Christian doesn't make you a Christian. Because you went to some church somewhere doesn't make you a Christian. Listen, when did you see yourself as wretched and poor and blind and naked? When did you see yourself as condemned, dead already because of my sin? And you called out in repentance to God saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. When was that? Because that's the only way that that sin condition can ever, ever be dealt with. I want to move on. I want you to go back to Luke chapter 5 because we see this man's awful condition. We make the parallel that in our natural state, we're in an awful condition, dead already because of our sin. But the second thing that I want you to note here is this man's humble position. In verse 12, Again, the Bible says that not only was this man full of leprosy, but notice in the middle of the verse, who seeing Jesus fell on his face and besought him, saying, Lord, if thou wilt, thou canst make me clean. Here we find that when this man saw Jesus, it caused him to fall on his face. He knew who Jesus was, and we know that because he called him Lord. Do you notice that in the text? He called him Lord. If you were to go back to chapter 4 of Luke, you would find that the fame of Jesus had spread into every place. This man, even though he was an outcast, 
he still had heard and knew who Jesus was. But here's the thing. Not only did he know who Jesus was, but he also knew what he himself was. And you know what he was? He was unclean. He understood his condition. The leper knew his vile condition. It caused him to fall on his face before this Jesus who clearly could work miracles, who clearly had the power of God in him. And you know what, friend? The point that I want to make here is that today exactly is the heart attitude that needs to happen inside of every individual. Not only do we need to recognize who Jesus is, but we also need to understand our own condition before Him, and it ought to cause us to fall on our face before Him with humility. There needs to be an understanding of our sinful state, our vile heart condition, and a humbling of ourselves before a holy God. But I'm afraid that far too often... There are people who say they know who Jesus is, but they've never actually really met Him with a humble heart before Him. There are too many people who are religious people, who know all about Jesus in their head. They might even know something of the fact that He has power. They might even acknowledge that He is God but they've never experienced His redemptive work in their heart and in their soul because they've never really repented and believed on Him themselves. I was reading an article this week from an old-time Baptist preacher. He's gone. I trust that He was saved. I don't know the heart of anybody. But there was this raging debate about whether repentance is necessary for salvation. And I read this article that this preacher wrote talking about how repentance is not necessary for salvation because never once in the Bible do you see that a person uh, said those words or said, I repent, and so on. In fact, what you see when a person comes to know Jesus Christ is that they believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. The problem is that Jesus himself said, repent, or you're all likewise will perish. John the Baptist came preaching the repentance toward God. The Apostle Paul said in Acts chapter 20, repentance toward God and faith toward our Lord Jesus Christ. The problem is the fundamental misunderstanding of what repentance is. People tried to make repentance a work, saying that, and this is how they present it. When you preach repentance, you're trying to make it a work where you have to turn from your sin and you have to stop doing these things and so on. But there's a, there's a misunderstanding 
about what repentance is. Repentance means to turn. It means to change your mind, but it's changing your mind about what you are and who you are and your relationship toward God. It's you coming into agreement with God that I am sinful, that I've broken your holy law, that I deserve your wrath and judgment. I don't want to be that. I'm changing my mind about my own condition and I'm in agreement with God. Repentance and faith are basically two sides of the same coin. In fact, you cannot believe on the Lord Jesus Christ with all your heart without actually a repentant heart. You cannot repent of your sin without actually believing with all your heart on the Lord Jesus Christ, that He's the only hope for your soul. It's two sides of the same coin. It's the heart attitude that says, I agree with God about my sin condition, that I am I'm vile and I've broken His law and I deserve His judgment and His wrath, but I cannot save myself. I am sorry toward God for my offense to Him, but I can't do anything about it because that's what I am. And my heart's desire is that I want to be different, but I can't make myself different. Therefore, my faith turns to Jesus Christ, who's the only only one who can do something for my soul. It's two sides of the same coin. You cannot believe on Jesus Christ truly without a repentant heart. You can believe Jesus existed. You can believe that Jesus is God. But the belief that comes, the saving faith comes when there is a repentant heart toward God. The devils believe and they tremble. They know Jesus is God. The point is, you got to have a humble heart and a humble position before God that's that's a repentant heart that says, God, I have sinned, I have broken your law, and I've offended you. And I cannot save myself. And therefore, I turn my faith to Jesus Christ, who gave himself for me. This man saw Jesus. He knew who Jesus was. He knew what he was as unclean, and he fell on his face before the Lord. And then I want you to note, again in verse 12, his earnest petition. He said, he, the Bible says he besought him, saying, Lord, if thou wilt, thou canst make me clean. Here we see that this man, the leper, gives a simple, earnest prayer to the Lord, and he says, Lord, if thou wilt, thou canst make me clean. And in these few short words, the desire of this man's heart was made known. It shows us two things. First of all, it shows us that he truly believed on the Lord Jesus Christ because he would not say, Lord, if thou wilt, thou canst make me clean. In other words, he was confessing that Jesus was the Christ, the Son of God. He said, if you want to, or if you will, I know that you're the one who can cleanse my vile body because you are the Christ. I can't cleanse myself, but I know that you can. He believed. He clearly believed. The second thing it shows us 
was that he had a burning desire of his soul to be clean. That is all that he asked of Jesus, just to be clean. And the parallel that I see here is the fact that once a person has recognized their sinful condition and they've seen Jesus for who He is and they understand their own condition, the one burning desire of their soul will, that will be that the Lord would cleanse them from their sin. Do you know why people hesitate or why people continue to resist? When, when the Spirit of God is, can, is working to draw them, when they can start to see their own condition, why is it that people resist? It's because they have not seen the fact that they are, they are destined to die. They have not seen that the judgment of God is going to fall on me. But when a person understands their sinful condition, when they see it and they understand where they are before God, there is a burning desire in their soul. Lord, I need you to be merciful to me. Some of you in this room today, know that you're not saved. Some of you know that you need to be saved, but you don't really know how much you need to be saved. You don't see the judgment of God and the flames of hell licking at your feet. Because if you did, you would be running. God, be merciful to me. Make me clean. This man had a burning desire in his soul. If you will, Lord, I know that you can make me clean. All we have to do today, friend, is recognize our sinful condition before God, confess our need of cleansing before the Lord, just like this leper did. And then you know what happened? You know what happened after that when he confessed his need? The Bible tells us in verse 13 that there was instant and perfect salvation. Look at verse 13. And he put forth his hand and touched him, saying, I will be thou clean. The Bible says in verse 13 that Jesus put forth his hand and touched him and said, I will, be thou clean. And immediately the leprosy departed from him. Immediately the leprosy departed from him. These are awesome words. These are amazing words. And it shows us some things about Jesus Christ and who he is and what He is. First of all, it shows us that Jesus Christ is a compassionate God. In, go over to Mark chapter 1. Keep your place here and look in Mark 1. The parallel passage here. Now I want you to Look with me in verse 40. And there came a leper to him, beseeching him, and kneeling down to him, and saying unto him, If thou wilt, thou canst make me clean. And notice this in verse 41. And Jesus moved with compassion, put forth his hand, and touched him, 
and saith unto him, I will be thou clean. And as soon as he had spoken, immediately the leprosy departed from him, and he was cleansed. You notice that the Bible says when this leper came to Jesus, that Jesus was moved with compassion on him. He understood his state and his condition. The Greek word compassion is, is, is a word that, that depicts the emotion of pity. It's compassion. It's love. When Jesus saw his condition, he was moved with compassion for what he was. The word suggests a depth of feeling and literally means to feel with. In other words, Jesus felt it in his own soul, the wretched condition that this man was in. He had pity on him. What does it tell us? It tells us that Jesus Christ cares about your condition and my condition. No matter what this man's past might have been, Jesus had pity on him. He had compassion on him. It tells us what kind of a God Jesus is. You know what? It's not just that God tells you that you're a sinner. It's not just that God points out what's wrong with you. He has compassion. And the Bible says that He's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. He doesn't want you to stay in your state. He doesn't want you to experience judgment. And so He provided a way a means for our soul to be cleansed. When you're a saved person, amen, thank you, whoever said that, amen. It's okay to agree with the truth of God's Word. It's okay to say amen. I agree, amen. You know, if you're here and you're saved, that that's a blessed thing. But now, as a child of God, you have a great high priest who's also moved with compassion, about your situation in life. In fact, Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 15 tells us that Jesus is the great high priest. He said, the Bible says, we have not a high priest who cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are. No, that's not what it says. Go over there. I'm going to butcher it. Let's just go there. Hebrews chapter 4. Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 15 for we have not an high priest which cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are yet without sin. Yes, that's what it says. But the next verse, let us therefore, on the basis of the fact that Jesus Christ is touched with the feelings of our infirmities, then we can come boldly unto the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Because of the fact that He is compassionate, because of the fact that He is touched with our infirmities, we can come before the throne of grace. And we can find grace to help in time of need. You know what the Bible says? That He knows our frame and He remembers that we are dust. Child of God, He knows your struggles. He knows the things that you wrestle with. Sometimes people have a tendency to just beat themselves up over and over and over again. But you know what? Instead of just continuing to beat ourselves up, what we ought to do is take it to the Lord. 
to find mercy, to find grace. You know what that grace is? It's divine influence on the heart. To find that divine influence on the heart to help in time of need. Aren't you glad that he's compassionate? He had compassion on this man. It caused him to be moved that he wanted to do something about it. That's why Jesus said, I will be thou clean. Not only is he compassionate, but it also tells us that he's personal. Our text says that Jesus touched him. I want you to think about that for a second. Did Jesus have to touch him? Could he have just spoken a word? Said, be clean? Why did Jesus touch him? You thought about that? He was moved with compassion. And he touched him. Why did he do that? Well, the touch of the Lord was a true expression of his compassion. The compassion in his soul caused him to reach out and touch him. And as much as this leper needed and desired healing, can you imagine how his heart must have ached for the touch of another human hand? He was an outcast. He was alone. He was separate from society. He's going to die alone in misery. And nobody cares. Can you imagine how his heart would have ached for companionship, for somebody to love him? And the Bible says nobody else would touch this man because they would be ceremonially unclean. But it didn't stop Jesus. He put his hand out. He's personal. How terrible it must have been for this man in his life to see everybody draw away from him at the sight of him. Lest they be contaminated themselves just by brushing up against him. But Jesus responded not only to what this man had asked for to be clean, but he responded to his deepest need as well. Love for his soul. That's an amazing thing about God. You know, he knows what you look like. He knows what you are. He knows what you've done. He knows what you've been. And yet he has not drawn away, but instead he's had compassion, provided a way for your soul to be saved, and he meets you where your needs are. I think it's also pretty amazing that the moment that Jesus spoke, immediately this leprosy left him. He was cleansed. It's a stunning display of the power of Jesus Christ. According to the law, the Mosaic law, Anyone who touched such a person, they themselves became ritually unclean. But the touch of Jesus had the opposite effect. The thing that was unclean had now become clean, and it shows us the power of Jesus Christ even over the law. 
Listen, I don't know what your condition is, but I do know this. The Lord Jesus Christ is interested in you. No matter what your past, He wants to touch the heart. He wants to make you new. He wants that relationship with you. So how can we apply this as we close this morning? Let me just summarize it. In Scripture, leprosy is an outstanding type of sin or an illustration of sin. Like leprosy, sin brings uncleanness. Sin defiles, it destroys. Your heart is deceitful, your heart is wicked. It destroys your life. Sin also causes separation, just like leprosy did. Our very character as sinners alienates us from the life and the fellowship of God. God is holy. God cannot dwell in the presence of sin. We are separated from God in our natural state. And just like leprosy was incurable, also sin is humanly incurable. There's no human cure for our sin. It's not a disease like leprosy was. It's a condition of the heart. There's no amount of religion. There's no amount of good work. There's no amount of anything that we can offer that can cure us of our sin problem. In our text, this man was a leper. He was dead already. He was incurable. He was separated from society. There was nothing that he could do to save himself. The very same is true for me and you when it comes to our sin. It is a sin that brings death. It's a sin that brings eternal separation from God. There's nothing that we can do to fix ourselves. The conclusion is we can only go to the same source that this man went to, the Lord Jesus Christ. We don't have time to talk about the effect of this miracle. The effect was that it changed this man's life forever. Amen? And no doubt, many other people too, because he told everyone what happened to him. Even though Jesus said, don't tell anybody. Oh, he couldn't keep his mouth shut. You can read about it in Mark chapter 1. He told everybody, everywhere, what the Lord had done for him. And no doubt, that had an impact on other people's lives. The Bible says that so much so that Jesus couldn't even enter into the city but had to stay in the desert because the multitudes kept thronging to him. People wanted the healing touch of the Lord. Well, as we close, if you're here today and you're not saved, his healing touch is what you need. His healing touch on your soul can change your life forever too. The question is, will you humble yourself before him? The question is, will you admit what your great need is and will you bow before him with a repentant heart and faith in Jesus Christ? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I pray, Lord, that you'd use the preaching of your word today. And may there be truth that grips every individual heart. Maybe there's some that need to be saved. Lord, I pray that they'd see their sinful condition and humble themselves before you today. Maybe there are saints of God that needed some reminding of the compassion of the Lord and how He 
fully and completely can meet the need. How He saw us in our wretched condition. And then He touched the soul. I'm so thankful that You're a compassionate God. That You're powerful. You're greater than any law that condemns my soul. And Father, I'm very thankful for the salvation that You've provided for me. And Lord, I pray that You would use your word in whatever capacity you choose in the hearts of men today. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.